Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And I really hope there haven't been any crosswise because on the turntable this week, we've got Folding Lines by Sea Fever. And this is another one of those exciting new release albums uh, where we might be joined with some special guests in due course, Dan, to talk in way more detail than we're capable of about this. And thank goodness, because with a new release, there's very little uh, to draw from. Exactly. Yeah, this is brand new into our lives. But we have been so excited for the Sea Fever project, haven't we, since it was announced at the end of last year for various reasons. Oh, it's a bit mysterious. Uh, namely, the lineup. <laughs> so, Sea Fever themselves have been around for probably uh, in, in earnest uh, about a year and a half, I would say, from inception to album release. They are uh, a Manchester outfit, one of our favourites, Dan. Who have we got? So, Will, we have got from New Order and Shadow Party and many other things Tom Chapman and Phil Cunningham. The band is fronted by Ewan Grono, who uh, who plays in Johnny Marr's live band. There's also Beth Cassidy uh, of Section 25 and on drums, Elliot Barlow. So, so many influences and so many so much experience from so many iconic bands coming into this album. Uh, we've been great fans of them since their first uh, track came out. And we've been waiting and waiting for this album with anticipation. So it's with great pleasure today. Uh, that we're talking about it and we were fortunate enough to uh to chat to the band themselves to talk about the album which was a real treat wasn't it dan a real treat so without further ado let's hand over to ourselves with tom ewan and beth So it's a big welcome to Sea Fever and we're thrilled today to be joined by Tom, Ewan and Beth. Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Um, for a lot of New Order fans, of course, this is the other, other two's other, other band or one of the other bands. How did this band come about? How did Sea Fever start? Well, um, basically, um, me and Ewan sort of known each other for a long time and we kept bumping into each other on tour and we kept saying to each other, do you know what, man, it'd be good to sort of write some songs together one day. But, you know, with our schedules, uh, uh, Ewan being with Johnny, Johnny Marr and myself, New Order, we've, we've been quite busy in the last few years. But 2019, there was a bit of a gap there for us to sort of do something. So I had a, I had a few demos of songs lying about, as you do, you know. And um, they weren't going anywhere, really. So I, I thought, well, I'll just play them to you. And so I drove to his house and uh, played them to him. And um, he, really, he, he really liked them. You know, he was really impressed. And he said to me, you know, just leave them with me and, and I'll see what I can do. And I thought, well, great. And then the next day I got a phone call saying, well, I've got <laughs> from you and saying, I've got a... a, a a melody for one of the demos and stuff. I thought, bloody hell, that's quick. But I thought that the, the lineup was not so sort of complete um, then. So I thought about other people we could bring in. And I'd done a, 
I've done a gig with Shadow Party, uh, yes, in um, in Manchester, supporting um, a certain ratio. And Beth's band was there, um, Section 25, playing that night as well. And I watched them, and I remember thinking, you know, I was really impressed with uh, with Beth. Phil, of course, is part of the band, and Elliot Barlow, who was drumming with us with Shadow Party, is also the drummer. So that's really how uh, things started. We, we did a writing trip together earlier on where we drove to France and took a studio with us. So we had a cottage there in Brittany. And it was a good test for us to see if we could sort of work together and write together. And uh, luckily the trip went really well and we came back with loads of songs and uh, it was a good sign of uh, what was to come for the future. And obviously lockdown happened and we had loads of time. And we were really prolific with the songwriting. Uh, so that allowed us to, to finish the album, really. And we all seem to be pushing in the same direction musically and with what we want to do together, you know, with the band. So, yeah, it's good times, you know. Yeah. And we, Dan and I, have been big fans since Cross. Since we had Crosswires, I've been in, I've been looking forward for a while for the album. Beth, it must have been quite a different experience recording this album under very unusual circumstances. Uh, yeah, uh, very different. I, I, I came from my last band was um, a band in which we we used to get into a rehearsal space and then just jam together that was the writing process really um and then we and then we would like spend a week producing it that was it whereas this has been like an epic epic kind of like you know narrowing down a tiny little um drum sounds and things so it's been a really amazing experience for me in terms of learning a lot and also just a complete head fuck as well at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've all had a huge uh, yeah. head fuck for the last 18 months, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a bit weird because, um, you know, that was obviously all done over the internet. Well, a lot of it was, not all of it. We did get some time um, together. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been a, a really great experience so far. Uh, and you and, of course, uh, five of the tracks have been released as singles over the last year and you've already played a few shows as well. Uh, the reaction seems to have been incredible. How's it been for you? Um, the Well, the very first gig we did, um, I, I, well, I loved it. it was, you know, we all had a really good time. I mean, to be honest, I was really nervous because that's the first time I sort of sang and fronted and it was it was a little bit terrifying at first. So it kind of like a couple of things happened on the stage, which were quite funny. And I sort of, <laughs> I, you know, I told the crowd that, and then I just, I just relaxed after that. And then it, I think it was when de facto, we played de facto. And then after that, my arms were in the air and all sorts of dancing. It was like, <laughs> I just suddenly just woken up. So it was like, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was an amazing experience and it was just good to, you know, we rehearsed quite a bit, and um, it was it was great to finally 
play you know the songs in front of people it was i mean it was my first gig i'm not sure if it was it might have been everyone's first gig i'm not quite sure back after all lockdown and um you know after sort of the what everyone's been going through and um yeah it was amazing it was just nice to see some eyes and play play the songs in front of people and i thought we got a really good reaction and i mean it was pretty much it was either sold out or it was pretty much sold out so you know we it was great really it was a really good night well let's 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 get into the album proper now and we'll kick off with uh, side one track one uh, and this is cross wires So track one there, uh, and that's Crosswires. Now, Tom, that was the first single to be released. Uh, first thing we heard from Sea Fever. Was it always destined to be that way? Uh, no, uh, we, we weren't quite sure about which songs um, were going to be singles. Uh, that's one of the thing about this band is we discuss things quite a lot. You know, it's quite a sort of democratic sort of uh, uh, decision-making band, but sometimes it can be... It can be painful, let's put it that way, you know, to come to an agreement <laughs> on what to go for. So, but we decided that um, Crosswires was going to be the first single out because it was quite different. I think it's, it sounds quite different to uh, a lot of the other tracks on the album. It's a lot darker and it also features Stephen Morris from New Order on drums. So we thought it'd be a, a good way of, of, uh, of showcasing uh, Stephen's drumming on, on this first track. And um, so, yes, uh, we, we, we thought Crosswise would be a good, good start for this campaign, basically, yeah, as a single release. And so there's so many different influences. Of course, you're all with different bands. You uh, New Order, Johnny Marr, Section 25. And there's so many kind of connections across the Manchester music scene, all feeding throughout the album. But I think certainly this is a great showcase um, in that one track. How, how do you, I mean, if it's possible, how do you define uh, the Sea Fever sound, but also the sound of this song? Because I'm hearing shoegaze, I'm hearing psych, I'm hearing some dance. Um, Beth, how, how can you even begin to describe uh, the sound of sea fever oh god can i ask you <laughs> answer a different question <laughs> <laughs> i mean we like things that don't fit in boxes and i think that's that's kind of in a roundabout way the point i was making there's so much different sound going on i wasn't concentrating i was thinking about what i was going to say for under duress <laughs> 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 do you know what that is exactly what dan and i do on the podcast is we're too busy thinking about what we're going to say next to listen to what the other person is saying so you're in good company for that yeah <laughs> um, well it's i, I mean I, I i can't really um give you more than what you've said really i think you've kind of got it um you know it's a fusion of sort of electronics and there is a manchester sound to it but i don't feel like we want to be kind of fully pinned down by that um but you can't help 
that kind of eking in just with our influences and I suppose it's quite hard to describe really yeah which is a good thing yeah I think a lot of it is I mean melody for me melody's always been quite important so um I think we've kind of combined a bit of dance a bit of indie combined with a bit of like just songwriting really just get getting you know we can play we've we've done we've played a few of them on the acoustics and I think like um if you can play those songs on acoustic and they still sound good then I think you're on to a bit of a winner really and I think that's kind of we sort of made sure that 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 happened you know that we could just you could sing the songs as well you know that they were like a bit you could see maybe see a crowd singing them so there's a lot of melody in there which is kind of I don't think it's a bad thing really. I think we also deliberately pushed ourselves out of the our comfort zones with some of the instruments we play, the songwriting, the arrangements, some of the orchestration we use. We saw, you know, we used the we used the, some string players, we used some wind players, we used a full choir. Um, these were things we'd ne- well, I'd never saw for, uh, used before on, on songs. So I think, yeah, we were really pushing ourselves and trying to do something interesting, you know. Even the structures of songs, are, I think some of them are quite unusual, you know. Uh, so we weren't sticking to a formula as such, and we were really experimenting with different sort of um, sonics and uh, arrangements. And, um, and I'm really pleased with the way it came out. You know, I think we've done a good job. You talk, talking about the structure of songs there, I think uh, what's great about the album is that, of course, we've heard uh, four or five of these songs already as single edits, but here on the album, we're getting like the full length, how they're meant to sound. And there's really like the elongated intros. Uh, it's great to hear them as as you guys really intended them to be heard. Yeah, I mean, there's some of the sing, single edits are quite tough to do. Um, I mean, de facto is, is really long. I'm not quite sure. I think that's like five, maybe even nearly six minutes. So we cut that down, I think we cut it down to about three and a half, but that was quite a, a, a mammoth task. But um, yeah, it's good It's good having all of them just as, you know, as they are on the album. You know, I think hopefully people will appreciate that as well. Let's move on now to the second track. So track number two now, this is Under Duress. So Beth, that was under duress. And I think what's great about this as the second track is that it's instantly uh, showcasing a different sound for Sea Fever with that kind of classic piano sound in there. The strings really brought to the forefront. Uh, how did this track come about? Yeah, this is um, this is sort of quite a different track, really, because it's it's uh, it's quite kind of melancholic and. And and but then it's really high octave as well for um, for the for the vocals. So uh, there's, there's quite a bit of kind of space in between 
the singing, which was kind of, which was quite uh, like a natural thing, I think, that Ewan did, and then left that gap, left those gaps in between his vocals, which then meant that I could um, put some higher octave harmonies in there. But that was actually the first track that I, I think that was the first track that I heard and, um, and input on to so that so it was a bit of a uh, bit of a nerve-wracking time for me that really because I'd never you know I I barely really knew anybody in the band at that point I, I think I'd only met everybody like once or twice um so that was the first um kind of bit of creativity that I kind of passed their way so I remember thinking like oh shit gone <laughs> It was all good. <laughs> oh. That was brilliant. <laughs> and it, but I, I, but I, I, you know, I, I was happy with it. You know, you just never quite know, though, do you? You never quite know whether it's what, um, what other people are expecting, um, because it sounded like quite a finished record anyway. Um, yeah, so that's my perspective on it. Um, but then it seemed to work really well, and I felt like, from my point of view, it was like quite a big boost I thought no this could sound really good it was the first kind of taste I got really that 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 um our vocals would work together as well mine and Ewan's and I think this is one of the moments where we really hear the male and female vocals working together uh so it's really interesting actually to hear that that um from your point of view maybe like the bulk of the track uh was there and ready how, how was that process for you Ewan then with the did you feel it was ready or did you know that it was missing that that something else Beth's like Beth's got um, just a really good tone to her voice, and I think it's the same. We, we were both we didn't really know if the vocals would would work together, um, and and for me, I'm I've like I'm not really. I mean, I'm I'm experienced in doing backing vocals, um, and I've done some solo stuff, but I, you know, I, I I didn't know my own voice yet either. You know, it was early days for me, sort of writing songs, so. What was good when we put the song, when we put it together and we were looking through, you know, working through the vocals, it, they, they sat together really well. And um, it's kind of good, but, you know, they both, I just think they both complement each other. And um, yeah, the, you know, the, the track is really good. It kind of reminds me of, I mean, I don't, maybe a sort of slight tint to sort of Massive Attack or a bit sort of Portishead or something. It was a, it's a different track um, and slightly slightly slower, but the orchestration as well it's, um, it builds really nicely. But um, yeah, I think that was that. That's right. That was the first one where we sort of um, put our vocals together. But we, you know, it came out really really well. It's like a question answer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a few of them that are like that. Um, yeah. And. Um, yeah, it's good. That's that's one of my favourites on the dress. So let's move on then to track number three. And this one is Afterthought. Give or take 
So that was track three and Afterthought. Um, you would tell us a little bit about kind of what's behind this track. Um, this, I mean, this was one of the very early ones as well. I think it was, I think we did Built to Last first and maybe um, Afterthought second. I could be wrong there, but Afterthought, um, after I kind of got the whole track, the verse and the chorus fairly quickly with Built to Last. Um, I got the chorus first and, I, and it took me a bit of time to do the verse. So the afterthought is kind of, I mean, lyrically wise, it's, it's about sort of accountability, really. It's quite, the verses are, uh, lyric wise, are quite sort of, quite dark, but um, they, it kind of goes into sort of a positive lift on the, on the chorus because I didn't want it to get too, too dark, really. And, um, yeah, I think Tom had this, Tom's had the, the, the music for quite a while, didn't you, Tom, I think? I did, yeah. It was, um, it was like a piece of music that I'd written ages ago. It really started off with me and Phil jamming, doing New Order sound checks when we're on tour. We, if we've got sort of little ideas, we're very well tuned with each other as a musician, you know, so... We'd have this sort of idea of the chorus going round and round, and then I sort of go back home and and try and translate those those ideas into the studio. And then I came up with this demo, and it I, I hate to sort of sort of uh, throw the influences, but really it's it's me trying to do a, a Gary Newman a Friends Electric. You know, that's my sort of I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a bit of that going on really, and. And it was just like really trying to get that shuffle groove going because I love the, the whole sort of beat idea of that, of that Gary Newman track. But I think it's really original. I think it, it doesn't sound like uh, Gary Newman. But um, um, when Ewan came back with his vocal melody I, I, on the chorus, I knew we were onto something, you know. So it just came quite quickly, that one. Yeah, and then back to a similar call and answer thing on the chorus and there's some weird sort of like um weird sort of pb stuff in mainly on the verse but um yeah that's it's a good track that one it's quite it's kind of i wouldn't say poppy but the chorus is quite uh quite um well very melodic really definitely and I think, you know, without fangirling too much, we've said already, Will and I, we're huge Sea Fever fans. Every time you bring a track out, I think we're kind of, that, that little bit of anticipation of, well, it's not going to be as good as the last one. And then that morning we're texting each other like, bloody hell, have you heard Afterthought? Oh my God, it's so good. Um, <laughs> so this is, this is the most recent release. But I think what was great about this one was, uh, and like you said, Tom, uh, influence, or maybe loosely influenced with, with Gary Newman, but the synths on this one from the off, really stand out am i right in thinking that with sea fever you're kind of playing more of a, a part in the synths than than we'd normally see you doing with things like new order yeah i, I do I've, I've got quite a nice sort of collection of vintage synths at home that i use quite a lot i think everybody laughs at me when they come to my studio and they're all stacked up on the wall and uh but uh <laughs> I, I love them i'm I'm quite obsessed with them. I'm always buying new synths and I've got a nice little collection of synths that we use quite a lot with Sea Fever. So yeah, any excuse, I'll, I'll, I'll use synthesizer on everything, you know, but um, 
if it was down to me, it'd probably just be synths, but we can't do that. So, uh, um, no, I use them a lot. I love programming, and so I spend a lot of time with them, yeah. So we're on to track number four now. This is Built to Last. So, Tom, this, that one's built to last. We were just talking about the synths, but on this one, I have to shout out the bass. You cannot unhear that bass throughout this song. Was that was that kind of was it built around the bass? This one because it feels like such a fundamental part of this one. Again, I, I, I just remember having the chords, but the bass kind of sort of the rhythm of the bass sort of sort of really dictates whether whether well, how the track flows really but i think it's it's probably more the sound of the bass the, that growling sound that sort of uh, makes it sort of dirty and driving you know um but yes i guess i remember having quite a lot of things on musically on verse one and and ewan said to me no no just have just the bass and the vocals let's just strip it to to bass and vocals and drums because it sounds really good, you know. Just don't sort of overdo it and stuff. We'll, we'll build um, stuff musically later on in the song. And yeah, I think it was a good call because I think that's it's quite catchy, isn't it? It grabs you in a good way. And I can remember first time listening to this album all the way through, and the first three tracks being singles that have been released. This was the first glimpse as a as a listener and a fan of something that. I hadn't heard before and it was really exciting because it was that moment of ah oh, it's all going to be good because this is the first like album track and it was great as well what how important to you was getting that track listing and that and the flow of tracks on the final album right uh again like what tom was saying um there was a lot of debate um we made several playlists and we had to live with them for a few days and um, go back to them and do tweaks. And we had listening sessions and tried the flow of the, the album. Because I think that the track listing is really important for an album. You can't underestimate uh, how important you put the way you put yeah. your song. It plays a big part in the, in the listening sort of uh, um, Sometimes you just immediately know, like an end of a song, and you put a different track in, and you just be like, no, you can sort of tell that it's some songs mm. just blend blend nicely. I don't know if it's to do with the keys or the more tempo, but um, yeah, you can you quite often. It's when you get to the end though, because you you sometimes have a track left over or the say if you got the end and it doesn't the end doesn't the last track second to last track doesn't flow into the last one then you kind of like uh <laughs> you have to kind of go right yeah. okay we're gonna have to re <laughs> we'll have to re sort of re-look at it but um it's quite a good fun doing it we had i think we had quite a few different options but um yeah i think it is a it is a good track listing it's it works well 
It's, it's obviously something that's really important to us because this whole podcast is about going through an album track by track and the order of the album and that first track and that last thing you hear and that penultimate thing you hear. It's all so important. Um, and I think, you know, in a, in a streaming age, um, clearly for music listeners, it's still very important because of the rise of uh, vinyl sales and things like that as well. People want to hear that. Or a lot of people, I should say, maybe not everyone, a lot of people want to hear that whole project as it was intended by the band. Definitely, yeah. So, track number five then, and this is Folding Lines. So, holding lines there, and uh, now bear with me on this because when I've every time I've listened to this track, I become more and more convinced it would make a great Bond theme. Is that something? And Beth, this is for you. Is that some? Is it something that ever crossed your mind, or did you have something completely different in mind when when uh, putting this track together? I fully agree with you. I think the finish record, the finished track, sounds like that. Definitely. I think I've said that before. To the band. I remember hearing this track for the first time when I was on holiday actually um, when I hadn't even met anybody yet and Tom sent me the just the real bare bones of it and it was called uh, what what was it called? Spaghetti. It was called Spaghetti Master Flash. <laughs> Working title was Spaghetti Master Flash right. Um, because I think we sort of going for like spaghetti kind of western well, the spaghetti thing was Ennio Morricone, and the Master Flash is the is a Grand Master Flash, <laughs> is called New York. It's not that original, really, but that that was it, really, because there's a bit of that in the in the groove, really. So I called it that. But it ended. But everyone was a bit confused. Yeah, it stayed as um, it stayed as that title pretty much right till the end, and then we still kept calling it that when we were referring to. <laughs> It was difficult to change it, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're still doing it now. We still call it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's got some really lovely, um, sort of like ethereal, like um, kind of eerie sounds to it. Um, Synth sounds. There's a lot of layers in that, and it's it's actually it's really interesting to play live. It's been a really complex one to get right because because of that reason, um, because it's so layered, and then because there's areas where it's like quite sparse, but it's supposed to be. So it's just about getting that balance right when you're trying to you know play it live and do it justice um, and let and give and give the sounds um, like space, I suppose. Um, and I suppose like it kind of connects probably the song that most connects with the name of the band because it's it's kind of about like water and sea and and it's about like um me and beth are both from the coast you know we're both like grew up by sea basically so um it's kind of encapsulates that as well you know our sort of our our growing up and our our um 
I don't know, I suppose like for me it's like parting by the sea and growing up and learning stuff and and then sort of moving into the city really. So kind of it kind of connects quite clearly with the, the name that one. So and it's the album title. So <laughs> it's kind of everything. <laughs> it's done a big job that song. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish the album was called Spaghetti Master Flash now or whatever it's called. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> there, do we? That's the next album. I knew there was something about it. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, Will, it almost sounds a bit like your story, doesn't it? You grew up by the sea and then moved to the city. Yeah, and it's that feeling of, you know, that just growing up at one with nature. And I think you just crave it um, at times during your life in the midst of like city life and, and the hectic and craziness. Um, and then you move from the craziness to something more tranquil. It's just... Um, it's just hard to describe it if you've never if you've never had that feeling. And Dan doesn't get it, but that's yeah. that's what it feels like. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I get it more and more the older I get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So track number six now, and this is satellites. one is satellite if you've got the vinyl or the cassette this is side b in fact no there's no cassette there's a vinyl there's no cassette if you've taped it off your mate's vinyl this is side b you and this one feels the least electronic track on the whole thing like the acoustic guitar is really turned up tuned up on this one was it always meant to be that way because you spoke before about maybe like the basis of the song uh being written acoustically and then building it up was was this everyone going to be more electronic this, I mean, this was a recent track and I think we felt that we needed a song that was just a bit, um, a bit different really, um, a bit sort of mellower and a bit, um, it kind of, for me, when Tom sent the demo through, it sounds, it sounds a li little bit like Arthur Lee in Love um, and we kind of had that in mind and when Phil came up with his uh, guitar parts we sort of went for that sort of classic sound it was just it was it was basically a sort of it's a bit of a classic song really but um it um yeah it was it's one of the recent ones and we I don't think we were going to put it on the album um we were going to save it and put it on we were thinking of put it on the second album but um it just felt like it it worked at that point really it just needed something i mean it's not totally it's, it's fairly upbeat but it's got a really good swing to it and when we play it live there's a certain part of the song when it when when it comes into think it's like the second verse it really does swing and um elliot's i mean elliot's drumming is is brilliant on this one he's, he's sort of really got the he's nailed down he nailed down exactly what we were thinking really when um when we went to record it and yeah, Phil's, Phil's guitars really, I mean, complement them really well. Um, 
but it's it's yeah it's it's a strange one because it's kind of it hasn't really got you don't really know what the chorus is because when we were when we wrote it um well when i put the someone sort of developed the music a bit more um i thought the chorus was the the verse and he thought it vice versa so we never we don't really know what the we have differing opinions of what the chorus is with that song but it's quite it's quite uh it's quite a strange arrangement and um yeah it's um yeah it's a good track but it's it's probably more of a one of the sort of classic ones out of them really but as you say they're all quite fairly different but this kind this did seemed when we were doing the track listing it felt like it needed a song like this like satellite and um yeah i think it works really well and also there's our exclusive you said uh you and uh, second album you heard it here first everyone second <laughs> <Fever> album comes <laughs> soon. it's written it's actually written really <laughs> yes yeah we had so much time with That's the second lockdown that we done. we could have done a triple album <laughs> We could have done a triple album, but we thought, you know, no, let's stick to just doing one album at a time. I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's it's ready. It just needs to be recorded. And yeah, it's there. It's done. It's Very done. Exciting. So let's move on to track seven then. I always uh, get the pronunciation wrong. This is Le Coup. Le Coup. Le Coup. <laughs> <laughs> only, right. Tom, only Tom can say this one properly. But don't worry, because nobody gets it right. Even the band members. It's all right. I'm always going, no, no. It's yeah. Is it French for the co-op? That's right, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So that was Le Coup. and this is, first of all, it's fantastic to hear Beth take centre stage on this one. Uh, and this was an instant favourite of both of ours uh, when we listened to the album first time through. Uh, and it sounds completely different again to anything we've heard before on the album. Uh, Tom, what was the, what's the story behind this track? Um, just sort of me messing about with synths and, and, and beats. And this one was really really difficult to put together. It was a labour of love because we had the parts, but they were all in the wrong order. And it didn't really make sense uh, to start off with. And it took a long time to, you know, some songs are really easy and they come very quickly. This one didn't. Uh, it took a long time to to sort of piece together, but we got there in the end. And uh, I think the result is, um, I'm really pleased with it. Yeah, I think it, it was worth all the hard work that went into it. Um, yeah, what do you remember about it, Beth? Uh, you... uh, yeah, similar to what you said, I remember it being a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth, just like, you know, oh, I just, I've tried, I've just tweaked this and then, and then it would be like, oh, I kind of preferred it before. Oh, which one? Oh, the last, not the second, not the last one, but the one before that. <laughs> it was just 
because it was just all over you know over email it was it was a bit of a crazy time really but um yeah it was definitely a labor of love and then and then um it's kind of there was a bit of a turning point i think it all got quite like meaty at the beginning and there was like yeah. a bit of like chemical brothers and daft punk like influence and and uh, and then it, and then i remember hearing it thinking yes now this is like it's really you know we're getting somewhere with it yeah definitely yeah it's brilliant i think uh, the interesting thing about this one is we I think we shared base duties on that one because I think Ewan had some ideas, I had some ideas, so we both played bass on it. Ewan played guitar on it, Phil plays guitar. Um, yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's really mishmash of ideas, but we got there. Yeah. It's an amazing track. And when you finish a track like this with so much going on in there and from what it sounds like, so much kind of back and forth and really focusing on every single detail, then when you go on tour, do you think, shit, how are we going to recreate this one live? Because there's so much in it. Well, yeah, like we the, shit. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. It's like, what are we going to play? Who's going to play what? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but we do play that one live and we pull it off. So, um, yeah, no, it's it took a bit of arranging in the in the rehearsing room but we got there in there sounds good it sounds good and how do you know when to talking about like the back and forth over tracks how do you know when to leave it and when when it's like right that's it we're done with this it must be hard that's the problem (laughs) (laughs) i usually get a phone call from the band members saying enough is enough I, I remember when <laughs> Phil, you, Phil, I think Phil usually stops yeah, just me. Phil, Phil's yeah. good at that. Phil's like, come on now, that's enough. No more, <laughs> no more tempo changes, no more key changes, no more. Change. I, that's I, it. I remember I'm going to embarrass Tom now because he was on holiday. <laughs> he was on holiday <laughs> with his family and he was sending us stuff. And then Phil was like, enjoy your holiday, mate. Just put the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm not one of those guys. I can't. I, I, I can't switch off very easily. So I was still, yeah, yeah. I'm still in the thick of things. So thinking, right, this is going to be done. This is going to yeah. be done. And it's like, no. but that's what happens. Relax. You, you, your creative brain gets better, and so you can sometimes see things in a lot more of a yeah. way when you have a little break. So it's that's when it starts coming again. Um, yeah, feels good at just going, yeah, all right. Just yeah, pull in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this one, um, it's, you know, so much going on with the electronics and the programming with this one. It feels like maybe one of the most New Order-esque. When you were creating this music, Tom, were you speaking to uh, Bernard and Gillian and Stephen? Were you showing them the album before it was ready? No, I, I, I've not done that. I have played a couple of tracks to all of them, but I don't really consult them when I'm, I'm, I'm writing Sea Fever. I always like to play them the, the finished product, you know, or anybody really, you know, but uh, so no, um, there has been uh, uh, occasions in the past where I have consulted some of them for sort of uh, advice on a mix or, or, or an arrangement if I'm struggling, but I usually, uh, you uh, usually rely on my band members, you know, like the members of Sea Fever do that for me, you know. Um, 
because uh, they understand it and they're, they're close to it. So it's always best talking to them for things like that. Um, obviously, you know, New Order's a huge influence on, on my writing and it, it, it's bound to be, you know, spending so much time with them and having written an album with them. You, you're bound to take some of those sort of techniques you've learned of what you've seen in the studio and I learned so much as a I think I've said this before that I've learned so much as a songwriter and producer after doing after sort of writing music complete it was just a big learning curve for me and, and a lot of the, the things that I've learned I've tried to sort of use um, when I was writing the Sea Fever album really. Okay so um, thankfully managed to get away from mention of music complete without Dan going off on a huge tangent there so good uh, track number eight now um, and hold on to your hats it's de facto So Beth, de facto there, this is the third single we heard from Sea Fever. What I love is that on the band's website, there is a video of this one live and it goes off. I think we maybe mentioned it a little bit before, but how was that experience of first seeing the crowd reaction to this track? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a banger. It's a total banger. I think we, I think we, we felt as though like as a band, I think we knew uh, what we had really in the, it, when we were rehearsing it. Um, you know, when you just know it's going to be good. Because it, 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 we were really enjoying it. It, it kind of came quite, even though it's like a really dancey one, um, you know, and was sort of like had to, was a bit more complex to um, kind of put together in terms of arranging live. It just was always good fun. It's always good fun to play live. Everybody enjoys it. So then we're thinking, well, if we're enjoying it so much, you know, it's going to be a good one. And yeah, and it, it, was, uh, it was great. And I can remember, it was the, fr the Friday when this came out after the first two singles, I remember texting Dan and the text was like, oh my God, have you heard the new CD of a track? It's the best one yet. Because it was so bowled over <laughs> by the, the urgency of it and how just like all over you it was. And, and again, linking back to the fact the structure of this track uh, is all over the place. You don't know what's going to come next. Was it as fun and as as bonkers to to process and to work on as the end product? Yeah, it was. Well, it it was musically it wasn't because I just uh, it came quickly. I mean, um, it was just sort of bang putting those ideas down, and then the structure was as as it was when I gave them uh, when I gave it to Ewan and Beth. Uh, I just said, here you go. You know, I don't want to, I don't really want to mess with the structure of the song, see if you can come up with something. But I, I did say to them, let's not make it a traditional song. Let's make it more of a sort of a dance track, you know, and I think they did a great job. It was spot on. It's not, it's not a normal sort of song as such, you know, I don't think it is. It's, it's quite positive as well. It's like, um, 
lyrically it's pretty positive. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like it reminds me a little bit like a little bit like Exterminate from Primal Scream. It's a bit of that in the in the rhythm of it and um, that album, that Primal Scream album, the sort of full on dark dance dancey albums. So yeah, it's a little bit touching that, that Chemical thing. Brothers as well. Yeah. Chemical mm. Brothers, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and with the album version now, we have nearly five minutes for this track versus the single the single edit. Is there an even longer version uh, out there that we may get to hear at some point? Because I think we'd, we well, selfishly, I think we'd enjoy that, Dan. Or, or any remixes planned for this or any of the other tracks as well? There is a there remix, are remix planned. Yeah, there's a remix planned. Yeah. And we've extended it live as well, so it's there is a longer version <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you'll have to come and see you yeah yeah we've not seen you live yet but definitely on our list to do soon and and yeah we just know that this is going to be one of the one of the highlights of the set we'll make sure that the whoever remixes it takes it into 10 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> even longer so there's an even longer version then <laughs> Okay, so track nine then, the penultimate track, this is The Finder. track on the album and a real change of pace after de facto like there could be any other way uh what was what's what was the story behind this track um this was one of the tracks we did when we went to Brittany. um so it was just it was done together we 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 did it from scratch um uh after probably drinking quite a bit of wine and um <laughs> Just sort of, just sort of getting to know each other as a band, really, and sort of, um, um, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. It was, I think we were there for about a week, and I think we got we got quite a few songs out of it, and um, pretty intense. Pretty yeah, intense. it was intense. I mean, we did like it was it was hard because we were in a really beautiful place, so you you kind of do just want to go go to the beach and go to you know get in the sea and stuff like that but we 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 had some really late nights and um we spent a lot of time of, of i think i think tom you didn't you you have to go to bed at one night you, you couldn't take anymore tom got ill and so me and phil stayed up doing some um guitar stuff so you went pretty you got pretty deep when you were in Brittany was it uh, what was the setup was it like you you rented like a, a chateau or a, a, whole, a whole yes that's right it was in a big chateau bigger than the Rolling Stones <laughs> chateau yeah. we had loads of rooms we all had our own rooms it was great that's right yeah <laughs> it was a good exercise I'd do it again I like the idea of immersing yourself somewhere with no distraction and um and just concentrate on the writing. Um, not everybody sort of likes to do that as musicians, but I do. I like the idea of going there, not having anything, and see what comes out of it, you know, and you throw everything at it. 
um, it's a good exercise. I think it's a great idea, Dan. Yeah, definitely put a, <laughs> put a pin in that, Dan. I don't think we could we could even get the cottage. I think we'd be like uh, holed up together in a studio, uh, studio apartment or something. <laughs> so we're on to the last track of the album now. This is Program Your Life. So that's Program Your Life there, the final track on the album, aside from the, the bonus version, of course. But what an epic and dramatic intro to this one. And Beth, we were speaking before about like the the, the tracking order of an album and how important each song is. Uh, you spoke about different, different versions and different playlists, but this kind of feels like the perfect album closer because of the dramatics because in the end it actually feels quite open-ended when you were playing around with it was this did this feel like the album closer um from my point of view no but um uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right it does kind of lead you into it's like it's like a big question mark over where things are going to go next really um you know so it kind of leaves you wanting more hopefully and we've reached the last track on the album. The album is finally out there for the public to enjoy. What is next for Sea Fever? Um, well, we're going to play a few shows to promote the album, and we're hoping to do a few more shows in in December and hopefully next year. And then we then have to decide when we um, we start sort of. Um, finishing uh, the second album that we that is written but we need to go and record it so that's going to take a lot of time and it's like a it's a different sort of frame of mind than sort of uh, playing live so we'll have to sort of really concentrate on that and it's when we can do it basically but I'm hoping maybe early next year we start sort of working on the new album that's the plan it's crazy to think that the band is being together for what, like, has it been two years? Yeah, we've done one gig. <laughs> one gig. So it's like, yeah, I think everybody's just... And it's a bloody good one, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go out. <laughs> right, let's bloody retire. Retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Done. <laughs> but... Best of luck uh, with the album, which is out everywhere now, and with the gigs you've got this week as well. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us to go track by track through the whole thing. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Well, we certainly had a giggle at catching up with the gang from sea fever big thank you to tom ewan and beth because we had such a great chat with them and it was genuinely fascinating and really fun uh those those zoom calls we do are always eventful aren't they but yeah it was great to hear from them the insights uh to the album 
uh, how it got made, how the band came about. And Will, do you think we said too many times how much we're fans of what they're doing? I kept texting you while we were recording, uh, telling you off every time you said how big of fans we were, because I thought it just sounded a little bit brown nosy. Uh, but we Good. are. Yeah. <laughs> we're out of time. We are. So do let us know what you think to the album, uh, what you think to Sea Fever, what you think to the episode at Track by Track UK across social media. Or if you're one of our patrons and you've got early access to this episode, then do let us know in the comments on the post. And if you're not with us on Patreon yet, why the bloody hell not? Because we record even more episodes for our Patreon subscribers uh, where you get an episode every week. Uh, And recently we've released new episodes from the likes of Kylie Love, uh, Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're building a Patreon exclusive back catalogue. Well, that's nowhere near touching the size of the our normal one, but it'll get there. It'll get there. So, thanks for listening. Until next time, I've been Phil Cunningham. And I've been under duress. <laughs> under my dress. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I'm not your dress. <laughs> I'm, I'm not petting out. <laughs> <laughs>